tree was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to be so it's time for another episode of Campbell's Footballs and this week I'm joined by an Ellen legend. I'm joined by Neil Murray. Neil, a warm welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you, yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask you first of all, Neil, to introduce yourself to the people listening to this podcast and tell them a little bit about yourself. Yep, I'm uh, Neil. I, well, I stay in Stewartfield, but I'm based mainly uh, down in the Ellen direction. I run my own business. So if you see the handy money truck going about Ellen at all, you will uh, see that, that that's me. So that's why I spend most of my time in Ellen. Uh, uh, if you see me going about, you yeah. can give me give me a shout. Good stuff. Good stuff. You did an awful lot of work in the local area, so give Neil a shout for all your uh, all your needs. He's a really great guy and uh, a really big fan of football as well. And basically, I want to kick off uh, this show as always, Neil, by kind of asking you what made you want to get involved with football as a sport in the first place. It's it's something that I, I was actually quite late in the game actually uh, getting involved in the football. I remember my dad taking him at Tottenham all the time. Uh, you know, when I was long, younger, uh, but. Being a sort of kid growing up in a farm, I was kind of pretty much, you know, a little bit farming mad, uh, which kind of took over a little bit. So it was about, probably about maybe 11 or 12 until I really started to get to, to you know, interested in football. Mm. Dad used to lift me over the turnstiles at Pitodri all the time when <laughs> I was a kid. Uh, but like a lot of kids, I guess, it takes a wee while for you to get proper, the proper bug in the football. Yeah. And I... Credit a lot of me getting the football really involved in the football was probably the likes of uh, Ian Jess, Scott Booth. That was the two that really got me, you know, started to get involved uh, with football. I used to always get Aberdeen strip from my uncle Bruce every year. Uh, you know, the sort of favourite player on the back. Yeah. As, as a kid, uh, and then I really sort of kicked off when uh, sort of Deadly Duncan Shearer got involved with the Dodgy. That's when I really started to, you know. Uh, follow the Dons a lot, uh, you know, going in and, and then started playing myself. There was a, I think it was about maybe 11 or 12 when I was up in Huntley and I started playing in the boys' league at Christie Park and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I met him with a lot of the guys up there, the guys you'll probably remember yourself, you know, sort of Brian Thompson, mm -hmm. uh, Marco DeBaris, etc. They were the guys I would say that really got you, you know, involved when you start getting you know, closely involved with playing football and those guys that are at your training sessions and, you know, being a big part of the community. Yeah. That's when I really would say that I, I started to, you know, hit off and get involved in the game. Yeah. No, it's really interesting to hear your, your your spread there, man. I was I was quite intrigued to find out a little bit more about your your time at the the level that you were playing at. I mean, obviously getting involved in quite a lot of the training sessions and stuff like that. Was it hard to keep motivated for that, or did you get a really strong group of people with, alongside you to really push you to to show your potential? I've got I've got I'm, I'm hugely competitive. I'm hugely. My wife actually gets on at me a lot for it. <laughs> uh, I've got a six-year-old daughter who is taking exactly the same as me, but, you know, I'm, I'm very much in the, the, the will to win, uh, you know, and, and taking part, part in any sport, uh, you know, if you're taking part, you're in it to win it. Yeah. And obviously football's a huge game, and I used to get annoyed at people che cheating at training, as I would call it, mm. you know, cutting corners, cutting cones and stuff. Yeah. I just think, you know, got to play, you know, into it. So even from a... At a juvenile level, I was never the most skillful player in the world, but I would sort of try to, you know, give give a hundred and ten percent. Absolutely. You know, 
or what I didn't have an ability, I would sort of make up in you know in the heart and tackles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's very important. I mean, you look at a lot of successful football teams and stuff like that. I mean, you only have to look at Manchester United as a great example. You know, people like Roy Keane, I always felt was one of those guys who just gave 110%. I didn't think he was the greatest football player in the world, but he just was such a leader in, in big games. He just, you, yeah, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. That's, you know, I'm a big believer in that. Like, I, I was very much the, the sort of ball winner, get the ball and, you know, and, and, and basically give it to the guys play, you know, uh, I, I did when I was younger, obviously, you know, I'd done a lot of scoring goals, getting, you know, up in bits. I always knew there was guys more talented than me, yeah. uh, you know, so, but, you know, it's, and that's why I think it's a, you know, proper team game is, uh, Absolutely. you know, uh, you know turn, turn the ball over to them sort of thing and let them do their, do their magic. So. so what position did you play mostly? Did you play in central midfield or further forward? Uh, that, that was the that was the million dollar question, especially when I was at Ellen Thistle. I was very much I, I played every week, Grant. But the annoying thing being was I didn't know where I was playing. I would I would play. Uh, I would was basically called Mr. Versatile. I used to play anywhere through the middle. Yeah. You know, I'll give you an exa- I'll give you an example for a game at Ellen Thistle. I, I remember starting the game as a number nine, playing up front. Uh, you know, with Craig Smith, and then. Uh, somebody got injured in centre uh, center midfield, so I ended up dropping back to there at half time and played centre midfield for the next 20 or so minutes. And then our centre half got sent off, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, lo and behold, I found myself playing the last 20 minutes at centre half. Yeah. And that was that summed up really the way that you know I played most of the time. I played wider when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, you know, I played up front a lot, especially when I was at Ardali. Uh, but the you know, majority of my time was spent playing through the centre of the team and that could have been you know centre forward or centre half centre midfield really but anywhere in the middle usually so you mentioned versatility there when you said you were playing up front and then you were obviously moving back I always think of two players that spring to mind Chris Sutton in his latter years when he was at Celtic sort of played as a centre back for a wee while and then played further forward but also John Daly used to play for the United and of course Rangers latterly he did exactly the same yeah and you know something it's actually it was good at my level because obviously I knew I was going to be playing. You know, you know, without being sort of you know not even really big headed, you, you knew you were going to be playing. You just didn't know where. But I also thought that from playing up front, you, you know, when you drop back in the centre half, you knew that you knew a lot of what the centre forward wanted to do. Yeah. Because you would obviously be doing that yourself. Yeah. The little niggles, the little you know the off the ball stuff and everything. So you kind of knew what to expect. Yeah. You know. Uh, and, and I guess that's why he pretty much fought in very easily, uh, you know, for games and stuff, just changing uh, for it. So. Yeah. I was just wanted to find out, you know, obviously you said that you played at Ardali and then you played at Ellen Thistle. How different was the levels? Because as, as far as my understanding goes, obviously the Ardali side is the, the more the summer football and maybe slightly at a lower level, whereas the Ellen Thistle is maybe a slightly higher level, but it's sort of more well, prolonged. Is that correct? I, I played, well, I played right through on from obviously from Ellen Meadows to uh, to Ellen Thistle, and then I then went. I played because I worked on the farm. I couldn't get a full season of either because obviously the busy times. Right. So I ended up playing for Ellen Thistle and Ardali. I was very lucky, uh, Grant, to play a time with an Ardali team that, if I'm being really honest, would have wiped the floor with Ellen Thistle. Yeah. Uh, at that time. I played with a team that, that basically with the Ardali team that won everything. Uh, it was the guys with, you know, Bucci, 
and guys played and, and we were a very very strong type side not not really it's a different level of summer league now yeah i must say it i went back and played it two years ago mm-hmm. and i really did i didn't enjoy it because i tended to find you know there was guys with more willing to get you injured than than uh, you know than play football yeah. from, if i'm being honest yeah because uh, when i went from there to i ended up went playing with Ellen Thistle and Dali, I then got uh, noticed and picked up from uh, Maud Juniors. Mm-hmm. So uh, I ended up playing a couple of seasons at Maud Juniors, which was a hell of a good experience. Yeah. You know, it sucks. Again, at that time, I'm guessing there was a little bit of a step up. I don't think there's the same sort of step up nowadays. Well, no that was my next question. Do you think the step up is is uh, is not so strong these days? Because you know, I've had people on like Russell Cannon on a previous show, and obviously people like Glenn Sangster on the show, and 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 these people they've they've had the experience of a range of different levels. It's quite interesting to see the different thoughts processes and and th- theories that people have. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm not overly involved in it now. Obviously, nowadays, God, with with the level. But you know, I remember when you know when you played junior football. You know, when I did sort of you know sort of 16, 17 years ago, it was a big. It was a big, big step up. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It took me a little while to adjust. I'm not going to lie. You know, you're training twice a week from once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, you were sort of shirt and tie for games. Uh, you were getting money, you know. I got I got a signing on fee for signing for mod. You got your you got your boots. You got fuel allowance and stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, it was a big a big step up. Uh, unfortunately, the mod team that we were, you know, we, we weren't hugely great. Uh, but I always remember a sort of highlight of playing against uh, Linlithgow Rose uh, in the Scottish Cup. Brilliant. Uh, up up mod, uh, and although we got beat five two. Yeah, it was a hell of an experience because that year they actually went on to win the Junior Cup, yeah. uh, Scottish Cup. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they, they were, you know, we did chase shadows. You yeah. Know, they were 5-0 up. Uh, I ended up scoring twice late on, which I was, you know, still laugh to this day. It was, a, you know, even getting beat 5-2, five, five it was still a huge experience yeah. to be able to score against them. And of course, you talk about Linlithgow Rose. Of course, they played Falkirk in the Scottish Cup this season, which was, uh, you know, something to behold. I remember watching that game. It was, of course, David McCracken, a, a previous guest on the show, and, and Lee Miller's first game in Chads. So, you know, that was quite something. But you mentioned, obviously, playing in the Junior Cup. I mean, I remember being my time with Ellen United, watching them playing Glen Afton Athletic, who, of course, had played Livingston um, the season before. And, OK, Ellen lost 3-1, and James Bain got the goal. And it was a, it was a fantastic experience for Ellen. But they, they did. They didn't disgrace themselves, and and that's the beauty of playing teams at this level. You know, you get that experience of saying this is where you could aim to be at. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know absolutely, and, and you know as I said, I, I don't really I remember a fair bit about you know playing for mod and stuff. But we, you know, as I said, we weren't a great side at that time, but I still remember that Lenlithgow Rose game. You know, like it was yesterday, just, yeah. just because of the, the the guys that you were up against. You is know? that the standout game for you? What's that, is that the standout game for you in your footballing yeah, career? Yeah, that, that was. I mean, a, a lot of the Ardali games were, you know, when I was younger, where, you know, I played, you know, played up from the Gucci. We couldn't do no wrong. The two of us, we used to just score goals for fun. And But when you went up to the mod, to the mod thing and then you then played these guys, you know, that, that was a game of, you know, where I remember coming off and you were absolutely shocked because you'd just been basically given the run around. Yeah. It was such a good experience, even even though we got a run around. I always remember coming off and 
Although I scored twice late on, you know, I still remember it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was some yesterday, like. So. Yeah. I'm going to ask a Simon Ferry style question next. What were the nights out like playing? Because you obviously had some great teams you were playing with. I mean, the, some of the nights out must have been carnage as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you can re- re- repeat some of them. Yeah, I mean, I've I, I played obviously through, uh, you know, Ellen Fitzell, played for Ellen Amateurs, uh, which I'll come back to in a wee minute, but up at, up at Maud especially, I mean, with a group of guys, because I was a country guy, uh, with a lot of guys, that, fellow young farmers that I used to drink with, yeah. and, you know, I remember we used to rock up to, to the games at Maud on a Saturday and not get home till the Sunday. Uh, you know, there was there was myself, Mikey Townsend, there was a guy, Graham Pirrie, uh, Andy Parker, and Greg Gibson. And we used to be, you know, where we would end up on a Saturday night was with anybody's guests. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> I always remember, Mod Social Club was just, you know, you know, pints for £1.50 and nips for a pound. You know, it was just, had the disaster written all over it. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, uh, bundled in a, in a car and, you know, somebody was driving and taken, you know, to Peterhead or down back down to Ellen and stuff. So, but then, but then one of the best, I, I remember when we when we won uh, Division 2 with Ellen Amateurs, it's surprised, you know, not that just long ago, that's when, when they were on the turn with Jim Booth and stuff. Yeah, and, uh, another great guy. That, that was an absolute, you know, I remember the, the Meadows changing room uh, down in Ellen being absolutely covered in champagne. <laughs> Kev Wright got, you know, the champagne in the go the day that we won the title. Uh, you know, it, uh, you know we had a great team, great, you know, we'd side, Paul Ernstside, Craig Smith. Another great, you know, two great guys. Abs- absolute characters. Yeah. And I remember... Uh, you know, that was a huge season with a lot of big big games, a lot of big goals, remember. Uh, always remember we played a uh, well, team from down from Lawrence Kirk. They came up and they were our biggest rivals. And I always remember uh, Paul Ironside scoring an absolute peach of a header off a corner to, to win the game 1-0. Yeah. And that was the kind of day that we sort of knew. And even then, I remember being back to the bucking afterwards that night. And, that you know, that was a huge session of drink because we <laughs> kind of knew then that we we'd won the league but then and as I said the night we won the league I remember leaving leaving the Meadows at like half past five at night after the game half cut to <laughs> myself down the down the bucket uh, Ron Deedy had put money behind the bar for us all uh, you know uh, to get you know to get a night out Lee Thornton uh, was captain at the time he'd a bet with Jim Booth that, uh, that earlier on in the season that we would win the league and yeah. Jim said that we would win the league Thornton said we will uh, so Jim Booth produced £150 and put it behind the bar, the bar and yeah <laughs> again that was a night it was a night I, I didn't go home uh, you know I ended up at a party at Kev Wright's house and stuff so super hugely huge part of, of football I got the chance to continue playing with Maud but you know the second season I was there and it just didn't feel right it wasn't really good they wasn't the same group of guys the team broke up a bit and I ended up coming back down to play at Ellen Thistle purely because I was back playing with my mates yeah. you know it was it was back to having a pint after football you know or several uh, and, and I think that unless you're going to play at a high level Grant I think that's what you've got to aim for is you've got to play 
look to play with a great group of guys. Yeah. Well, that was my next question. You know, did did you feel that your your enjoyment of playing with football was was made by the people that you were playing around you? That that, that was my next question. So you kind of answered what I was going to say, really. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. Continue on. I've got interrupted. Uh, no, absolutely, Grant. Absolutely. Uh, you know that. You know, I'm still great pals with a group of guys that I played football with to this day. You know, and, that, and that's what was hugely important for. Uh, you know, you because you know you can go out and have a, you know one or two pints, you get the taste of it, and that's you still like the closing time with yeah. the, with the club tracksuit on. You know, that was that, that was the long and short of it. You know. So. Do you think the culture now is? You know, obviously a lot of professional football players have now got to sort of rein it in, and you know, they, they, they very rarely see them out in the public domain after matches and. You know things like that. Do you think that that has curtailed a lot of people in a good way or a bad way? I think I think in the you know the big the big game you know the SPL etc. Yeah, yes, that's a great thing uh, because obviously you know the athletes are you know, they're getting paid a lot of money and, and, and they need to be at the you know the level they're at. At our level, I think it's actually a shame. But it's actually it's actually disappearing a little bit. Mm. You know, the, a lot of teams, I believe, aren't having the same guys back to the pub for a fight, and I think Steve Bodman's a huge part of it. Absolutely, I didn't, I didn't enjoy my second, second spell at Ardali when I went back when I I'd retired and actually came got came out of retirement to play for them. But I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't get it at all, and it, it was different. I remember getting beat a cup final up at uh, Cummingston. and the guys were all in the changing room. And I'll be honest, they couldn't have given two flying hoots that we just lost the cup final yeah. they were all speaking about where they were going and I was like you know that's, that's what it was part of you know having a beer and enjoying a laugh yeah. and and even when we won big games with our dally and we got invited back to pubs for a beer nobody does it you yeah. know it's, it's, it's a, it is definitely a different culture now than you know than what it was even Sort of seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I mean, I just wanted to know what your thoughts were, but it sounds like that you're in agreement. Yeah, yeah. You know, as I said, the professionals, I think it's, you know, it's not a lot for them to give up drink for, you know, for what they're doing. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're doing something there's a, you know, a, every young lad or even any guy would be loved to do get the chance to do. So, yeah. you know, they mean they can't really, you know, look at Ronaldo, for instance, mm-hmm. you know. There's no coincidence that the guy still played football and at the level Absolutely. he's at because he's looked after himself. Yeah. I mean, I look, I mean, I, when you mentioned about how, like, like things like that, I mean, I, the first person that comes to my mind is Ray Parler. You know, you know, they hear all the stories with him and Alan Brazil, you know, after games and I believe McCoyce to an extent as well. And, you know, the culture from back in their time, sort of late, early 90s, late 90s, stuff like that, you know, it's, it's, it's totally changed now from, from my side. And I'd argue not all of it for the positive. Yeah, yeah, I know you're absolutely right. Yeah, you, you know, you, and you, you still get the odd stories and stuff, but unfortunately, a lot of the guys that you do tend to have, and, you know, if they're having a drink involved in football, unfortunately, a lot of them tend to have an issue, and that's yeah. why they're having drinks. Absolutely. So, uh, as opposed to, you know, it's, it's, but you know, you hear back to some of the days, even, you know, uh, I, I remember being, I played in a Aberdeen game against a, uh, uh, we played a, a select well, it was a Aberdeen supporters team played against ex-players mm-hmm. at Harlow Park in a charity game three years ago yeah. and uh, Joey Harper was our was our manager and Craig Brown was the manager of the select team Joey was our manager and you know you let, remember the laugh with Joey Harper saying 
you know, he had a team talk to us when we all met up at the Tawdry and he says, Right guys, where are we meeting up on Friday night for a for a pint and a nip? <laughs> you know, we need to we need to we need to meet for a pint before the game. Brilliant. And he says that's just what they've done. Yeah. You know, they yeah. all were out on the Friday night and you you think what what could the likes of Joey Harper have done? I know. You know, if he looked after himself. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic player as well, you know, an absolute legend for Aberdeen. Yeah, I absolutely, you know, and it's but you know what a camaraderie we had with him beforehand, and he was telling us some of the stories about you know guys being missing before games because they were still out, <laughs> and turning up for games, and you just think it, you know how much it's changed since then. It has. Yeah. My next question I was going to ask you, Neil, was did you ever feel that you could have made that step up to Highland League level, or maybe even higher? And uh, no, I, I I do have a regret that. As I said, I, I know I went back to, you know, back to Ellen Thistle from, from Maud. If I'm looking back now, my only regret being is I didn't persevere with it, if I'm being really honest. Right. Uh, I went, I didn't go back and then I, let, I went back to Ellen and signed and I, I was enjoying it. I came back and I was made captain for Ellen Thistle, but I remember Chrissy Hunter was the manager. Yeah, great guy. I remember him back up. He phoned me back up again in the, 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 the December and said, you know, can I not tempt you back out to come back up to Maud and train again? And I was like, you know, Maud had folded the season before. That's and right. That's what really annoyed me. You know, we're left high and dry with no club. Uh, looking back now, it's the only regret I've got is I wish I'd taken his opportunity and gone back up to yeah. there because they, you know, they went on to be a very, very good team. They ended up getting promoted that season, going up to play junior, you know, the... Uh, uh, Division 1 uh, Sorry Premier Division yeah. Juniors And that is my only regret In football Is I didn't persevere Because You know uh, I had the chance to You know And I, and I You know I didn't take it Chelsea Yeah You mentioned some of the players uh, the biggest one being uh, a guy, Davy McKenzie. Right. So went. You maybe know Davy. He was he was skipper with uh, with uh, Torres for a long time. Vaguely rings a bell. Uh, he went from Ardali. He took. He helped get me from Ardali to Mad. He was then at Mad with me, and then he went inside for 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 Torres, and he was a great great player, box to box goal scorer midfielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, re- really really super super player. Uh, guys, that, you know. That played with that had potential, you know, the guy a lot of the guys up at Maud were really, really good. Uh, I got the joy of playing with Kevin Bizet and Neil Pittard both at school level. Uh, you know, and, and they were both Kev Bizzle played for, for Dungeon United a wee while and Peter Head before he then went and moved to Australia. Yeah. Uh, Neil Pittard played for Scotland under sixteen. Uh, again guys that were, you know, played very, very well, you know, done very, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Other guys, you would say, you know, good friends of Paul, been for a lot of time, and you'll appreciate this. Paul was one of the most frustrating players to play football with. <laughs> that boy had so much talent, yeah. absolute bags of talent. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, just just score goals for fun. Yeah, uh, you know, for about half the talent that Paul had, I would have been happy. You know, and, and Craig Smith's another one. Yeah, you know, scored. Also scored goals for fun, you know. He's had me. He's got me drunk a couple of times in the night out. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, <laughs> always, he's, always he's leading me astray good. that tube. <laughs> he, he's also good at that, like <laughs> himself. So guys as well, played you know, played right, really well. Uh, you know, Craig Smith and, and stuff. And 
one of my, my best mates, the guy Andy, Andy Dickinson, he uh, he played for Fraserburgh at the Highland League and that as well. He played, you know, got an F down to Ellen Arms and that as well. You know, so some guys that could play, they could have played a lot higher level if they'd wanted to. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's fantastic to know, and I, I, it's just great to hear that sort of story just blended in really nicely there. Um, we're going to move on a little bit to chat a little bit about your charity exploits that you did last year, uh, the HM5000. Can you explain to the listeners a little bit more about it? Yeah. Uh, basically, my wife's gone right through breast cancer, and uh, she's came, came through the other side, doing really, really well. Uh, and three years ago, I took a bit of a bug for cycling and doing some charity work, uh, purely because just, you know, it was something I could turn to uh, for myself, really. You know, it was my space whilst she was doing or getting her treatment and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've done, we've done a lot. We've, we've raised about £20,000 in three years, I think is what we've sort of raised. Yeah. And she she lost her mum and dad, and you know, unfortunately, three, uh, twenty years ago, uh, you know, through her mum, she lost her mum through breast cancer, actually, and then uh, her dad unfortunately took his own life. Then, so mm-hmm. that was that was the driving force to to, to do the event. You know, it was a twentieth year anniversary. Naomi uh, wasn't quite fit to do something like that yet because we we. Uh, very well had a, a second sort of medical medical baby that yeah. we obviously were told that we couldn't really have and so I decided to, to do something and I was thinking about doing a few cycling events and you know there was various events I do during the year mm-hmm. and then she actually came up and said oh you could just cycle 5,000 miles you know just rolled off the tongue like it was like just in your spare time you know uh, so the more I thought about it and the more I thought you know this is doable you know, I thought this is something I could do. Yeah, how uh, how so, tough how tough would that have been to go through the physical process of going through the training and then mentally preparing yourself for that? Because just saying five thousand miles just there, uh, to me that just sounds like wow. That just sounds like an unbelievable target to try and get to. Not just you know, someone like me just would find that very very difficult. <laughs> it's basically, it was about three hundred and sixty hours on the bike. So basically, an hour a day really mm. is what you were you were looking at and but what I was actually I only started it in the first of February because I was I was really busy in January actually putting an extension on the house so if I can give anybody anything advice don't take on something like this when you're busy doing an extension <laughs> I, was working, I was working day and night doing an extension in the house so I actually ended up not I only ended up being at about 500 miles come the end of April, mm-hmm. say, you know, uh, sort of about March time. But end of March, I was only about, you know, four or 500 miles, and I was really starting to panic, thinking, I I'm not doing this. You know, yeah. I'm, I was, you know, I was, I was miles behind uh, with, 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 the, with the miles, and I was starting to panic, and I knuckled myself down, and I just thought, you know, you can, you can do this. Like, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm determination, and, you know, I'm not going to get beat. Yeah. So... Uh, I ended up just uh, packing on with it and thinking, right, let's just let's just do this. And I ended up, I got another, uh, you know, bought myself another bike, done a couple of events, and then, you know, I I, I done the main part of my challenge was was leaving Petodri, cycling right down to to Salford, uh, and doing a big loop, and you know, right round uh, back again. Yeah. So that was part of the, the the big group of it. So I knew to do that. 
a hug to be fat, a hug to be able to get the miles in. Yeah. So, you know, I just had to knuckle down and in any spare minute, you know, I, I had to just get my get my sort of bum on the seat yeah. and, uh, and get miles in. And as I found that, you know, the, the more I progressed into May, you know, into June, my legs were becoming like steel. So, you know, I was I was going out doing, you know, 70, 80 mile cycles, no bother by that time. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it, it all became easier as the, you know, as I progressed with, with the fitness. Yeah. But mentally wise, just, yeah, just turn your head around it, you know, just, you know, with a, a small child, uh, their youngest daughter, Leilani, so, you know, she was a really, a really poor sleeper, so we weren't even really getting sleep at, n- at night, so, you know, it's, it was a big, big push to be able to do that, uh, you know, and, and keep myself motivated for it. Absolutely, I think it's quite aston- astonishing and fantastic the the event that you did. You obviously went to Salford as you mentioned, um, and you managed to meet uh, a couple of high-profile footballers, didn't you, when you were there? Yeah, well, uh, Adam Rooney, you know, got a big shout out to him. Anyway, he's, he's been events through, you know, right through our charity events, Grant. You know, uh, with everything we've done, you know, uh, you know, Adam's been Naomi actually worked a little bit for him. Uh, he's got a, a business not in the sideline, and Naomi done a little bit of work with him, and that's how I kind of got to know him. Uh, top top guy, you know, and, and, and he, you know, anything we needed for the fundraising, you know, he would give give us. And so. I initially thought we'd do Landon John O'Groats or, you know, something like that. But the problem we've got with that is you've obviously got to get down there or, you know, whatever. So I decided, I just sat down one night and I googled Salford and I was like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, uh, as the guy, you know, the comedian, uh, uh, Jim Smith, the former comedian guy, sort of says, aye, that's doable, as, as he says, you know, and I'm thinking, if I can do that, spoke to Adam, uh, he told me I was off my head <laughs> and I kind of agreed with him and I thought well because he's been so good with the fundraising side of things that I would cycle down there but it was halfway you obviously halfway go right down to him stay there uh, go down and then cycle back up again you know and that's the, you know what I decided to, to, to take on like so yeah yeah, and Salford, a club that's going certainly in an upward trajectory. I mean, a, a, a fantastic club that's got potential to really make the big time. And you met? Did you meet Graham Alexander as well, the Salford manager? Yeah, we did. Uh, you know, I, I, I kept right with my driver. He was, you know, looked after me. We met. You know, I, I must say uh, the whole team, Graham, you know, they all knew I was coming because uh, Adam had, had uh, put it into it. You know, there's quite a lot of them gave money donations you know, money and that, uh, and, I, and I rocked up and Adam welcomed, welcomed me there and then I got taken in, in you know, into the, 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 the sort of changing room area, that, that, you know, that communal space that they work in at the, the training centre, mm-hmm. and uh, Adam went through and got Graham, Graham came through and he stood and spoke to us and he asked everything about it, you know, what, what That's fantastic. Did, what, you know, whatever, really, really nice guy, yeah. uh, he, you know, showed us every, showed us around the place. Uh, got the youngest guy that was in the change room at the time to actually make me and Kevin some uh, coffee and, and some food and stuff. Brilliant. Uh, you know, what? and then he donated money himself. You no, know, super, then, super. Uh, he's invited us down actually to a game because he mm-hmm. said that the only thing I should have done is I should have ended up being down there for a game. Mm-hmm. I should have got a you know, he'd have gotten us on the pitch and, and you know, gotten some more, uh, you know, money donated and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, that, no, every single one of the players made it, you know, uh, Richie, Richie Towles, obviously, you know, guy has been 
Clapton a few times now this season. He was really, really nice with a great banter with them and, you know, and stuff. And, you know, I then got messages from them as I was progressing my way home and that. Yeah, fantastic. That must give you a lot of confidence as well and encouragement, as, as you just said. Yeah, I just, you know, I I didn't know how I was going to fare, Grant. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. It was, uh, you know, my, my biggest, you know, thing I'd... I'd a good, good lot of help from people with nutrition, etc. and all like that, but yeah, the thought of being, you know, having to cycle 100 miles a day was, you know, quite daunting yeah. uh, and, and stuff. And especially, I decided I didn't, you know, I didn't take a really easy route. Uh, I went down, uh, you know, down over the, up over the hills of the borders into Newcastle, yeah. uh, right from Newcastle, right down to Stockton and Tees Airport. Then I went from Stockton and Tees up over the Yorkshire Dales, yeah. uh, down into Burnley, and uh, and go up there. And I'll give you, I'll actually give you a laugh from that. So, at two days in the middle, which I was kind of planning on, they were only they were rest days. They were they were days that I was only doing eighty miles instead of a hundred miles. Okay. So you know, you maybe an hour and a bit quicker. So we get into the hotel in Burnley. Uh, phone rings. Here's Adam Rooney on the phone, and he's like, you know. He's a job to catch on the phone at times with that sort of thick Irish accent, and and uh, so he never really told me where Salford trained. Uh-huh. I was just in, in my head that we were going to Salford, and uh, he says, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll pick you the address of where we, we train at." Well, they actually train twenty miles further the south of Salford, people by the stadium. Right. So my shorter day then ended up being about 105 miles from the hotel that night. So Jeez. I, and that was a determination. Kev, Kev Wright said to me, well, what about we just, you cycle to Salford Stadium in the morning, you jump in the van, we put the bike in the van, we drive down to training, we then drive from training back up to the, the stadium, and then you cycle from there back up to Morecambe that night. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, nope, nope. My plan was, I left Pitaudry, I was cycling to Salford to see uh, to see the, the team, and I was cycling back to Stuartfield. So uh, the following day, I basically got up an hour and a half earlier, left the hotel at six o'clock in the morning, and, uh, and sort of pedaled my whole heart out right down to That's Salford fantastic. to make sure that we were back on track for the day. So yeah, how did you keep yourself motivated when you were cycling? Did you have like music, or did you kind of train your mind to kind of focus on things that were maybe um, you I, know? I'd, I'd, I had some music on, but uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, appreciate this and that as well. It's, it's basically, you know, any any pain or anything like that I felt, you know, I just sort of think what my, what you know what my wife went through. Yeah, uh, absolutely. What what she goes went through, or you know, to be honest, what any person has to go through cancer. Oh no, terrible. Yeah. That that that's what drove me on. You know, yeah. that's what you know. Oh, completely. And, as I was on the go, I'd done a live video update every night mm-hmm. to let people know how I was going on and I was pushing for sponsorship. Yeah. I basically got a heap of money. As I was cycling, my watch was going because I was getting emails that there was another donation and another donation. And that's what kept me going, really. You know, seeing the amount of money that was rolling in mm-hmm. for me, you know, uh, in the my Just Giving page as I was cycling. Yeah. Just fantastic, you know, mate. That, 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 that kept it going, like. So. Yeah. And I take it your wife is certainly in much better health now? Yeah, yeah. She's she's, uh, she's back up to fitness and, 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 and doing really well. She's, you know, it's, it takes a while to yeah, keep up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, the chemo, etc., to, to work on its way, way, you know, off. But 
no, she's she's up and she's uh, a PT, you know, doing some some work that's nice, doing a lot of uh, walking and stuff. Cause she would ultimately like to do a kilt walk in the future. That's, that's what she wants to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, she wants to do something. So we're yeah. taking a we're taking a year off from the fundraising this year, and yeah. then we're uh, you know we're going to see you know see where we go from there like so yeah well a big shout to Naomi from myself and a big love heart as well because it's uh, you know I'm, I've, I know people who've gone through different forms of cancer it must be very very hard and I, obviously I've felt it as well and it's it's tough for anyone so yeah I'm yep. sure everybody no, will agree with me when I say that so yeah so yeah quite extraordinary um, obviously you've got your kids as well um, do you still take them to the football obviously trying to remember back to the beginning when you obviously went to the games do you want to try and almost like recreate the time that you had when you were younger with your own kids? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's it's uh, Lila's got a good. My oldest one's obviously got. She's got a bit of a love for it, you know. She likes getting tops and stuff. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Aberdeen are uh, Derek McInnes keeps selling our favourite players. So uh, <laughs> Derek, you need to keep your best players, man. <laughs> She could always pick big. She could always pick big Andy Considine. He's not going to leave the club. <laughs> no, no, exactly, exactly. She's there. Uh, she, she, you know, get, get to meet a few of them, and, and, and she'll be quite happy, you know, and uh, take it from there, like so. Just one last question before we finish up this segment. Um, the charity event that you guys played in, I think it was 2017, when you were playing with when you managed by Joe Harper against uh, Craig Brown's team. What like was the crack? Sort of lost it for the for the ex pros. <laughs> uh, Darren Mackey lost it, you know. Uh, Did he ever have it though? <laughs> that, that, that would be true. I, I played against. That's Darren harsh. Like, Sorry, Darren. <laughs> Barry Robson who always planned to try and score direct from a corner I think he managed it three or four times <laughs> yeah well he, he tried it in that game as well you know he did try it uh, you know but he was great man uh, that, that day class he act as well came on as well yeah uh, Dookie, Dookie, Dookie Bell was brilliant uh, Russell Anderson I think Lee Mayer I think you've had Lee Mayer yeah well. yeah yeah 
the two of them were in the middle of the defence. I actually scored against, I scored past the two of them. Uh, John Gardner was in goals, so you know it was a big, big highlight. And then the funniest one of the lot had to be uh, Eugene Daddy. Oh, brilliant! Uh, when I when I scored uh, in the second half, uh, Eugene Daddy absolutely created the, the caterpillar. Oh, superb! He, he got us all up in the middle of the park to do that, like so. Yeah, no, it was really, really good, really good. Like, so. no, I mean the, the, that goal, that was that, that game, I should say, because obviously Daddy didn't score in that game. That two 0 win in two thousand, I still remember that so, so vividly. Absolutely fantastic, and all I remember, the biggest thing I always remember is Rob Douglas getting charged down by uh, Dan Mackey for the second goal, and I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I was. It's just. It's one of them games isn't it, where we obviously we went down there with a very, very uh, poor squad. We were lacking players and stuff, and then to come away with a win was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it seems like a fantastic uh, period, and I'm really glad that you shared some of those stories, uh, Neil. Um, just one last thing before we move into the kind of uh, review of the midweek action and kind of do our predictions. What's your next challenge, if you like? I had a feeling you might ask that, like so. Uh, I'm glad I kept it. <laughs> I really, I really don't. I don't. I'm not sure, guys. It, it's very much up in the air. But I'll be completely honest. I really want to do an Iron Man. Wow. Uh, so, but it's a huge commitment. You yeah. Recycling is a huge commitment, but this is this is a different, you know, a different level. Yeah. Uh, but I'm 40 next year. Uh, and I'm thinking, you know, there's one in September next year. You know, it, it's, it may be something to aim for. I haven't set it in stone yet, but, you know, or even spoken to my wife properly about it yet, so she might shoot me yet. But uh, that's, that's what I'm, you know, potential is thinking of, you know. But that's, you know, a, a two and a half mile swim, uh, you know, 100 miles on a bike and then a marathon. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a big take on, but... Yeah, I'm a big believer. If you're asking people for money for sponsorship, then you have to take yourself well out of your company. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I mean, I've, you know, I've I've done a couple. Of I've done a couple of charity events for cancer in the past. I mean, I got my legs waxed a few years ago, which obviously isn't a, a massive thing, but I've also done a, a, a massive um, charity walk as well for, for a charity, which we no longer do now, but it's, it's called Scalping Cancer. We did it to raise money for a lot of local charities that were involved with cancer, whether that be UCAN, whether that be um, you know a range of other things like Marie Curie and stuff like that. And it, It's just fantastic. It just gets a lot of people together to get... To, to go for a cause that's you know close to many people's hearts it's just unbelievable so um, yeah I just want to wish you all the best for that and uh, you'll I just think it's a, a, a fantastic opportunity I really hope that uh, things uh, sort themselves uh, out in time obviously take, make sure you take the break first because uh, you know you, you know what this, this, this year is, is uh, you know I'm away to run uh, Inverness half marathon on Sunday which I've seen uh, yeah so. uh-huh. This is the start of just obviously, you know, if I am going to do it, I've got to start training now, basically, you know, not not go training down low, but put the effort in just now uh, and, and start building towards it, if, 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 you know, if that is what I'm going to do. Yeah. If I'm going to do something, I just don't know, you know, I don't know what yet. Uh, yeah. You know, to, to try and talk doing what I've done, I need to do something a little bit daft. 
Absolutely. Well, I, I wish you all the best for the for that at the weekend, and, and I'm sure that you'll do absolutely grand. You've got that determination about you, a bit like myself at times. So I really wish you all the best with that. Yep. Okay, Neil. Let's uh, let's review the the midweek action because obviously we recorded the show on the Friday, the sixth of March, so a little bit later than usual this week. So we're going to do a little bit of a midweek review, and then we're going to do our predictions throughout the week rather than just the weekend's action because obviously you know we're a little bit later in the week, so people listening to this can actually follow how badly we've done on the Saturday. Saturday and Sunday, and then can see what we're doing in the midweek action uh, coming up. So let's start with um, the Scottish Premiership because obviously uh, Hearts won the Edinburgh Derby on Tuesday night, and then Wednesday, some extraordinary games. Neil Celtic needing a equaliser to get a point against Livingston. Rangers losing at home to Hamilton. Um, where do we want to begin? Some extraordinary games. It's, yeah, it, 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 you, know, you, you summed it up pretty well there. Just yeah. It, you know, you couldn't have. I feel like this. If you have an accumulator on in the midweek, you'd be a very rich man. No, definitely. Yeah. You know, uh, just you know, Celtic seem to, they're, not, they're not giving Rangers many chances, but what they are doing, they, they seem to be throwing them away pretty well themselves. Yeah, yeah. It is quite extraordinary how Rangers have just plummeted. Since uh, since the turn of the year, I mean, it almost yeah. feels like the Celtic result went to players' heads, and they just have not been able to get back in the zone. Yeah, I just I just don't I just don't get it at all. Really, you know, the the the, the thing to Dubai has obviously caused them huge issues. You know, there's, uh, whether there's anything happened, nobody seems to know. But you know, that was a team that that turned Celtic over on you know on Hogmanay. Well, yeah. just obviously sort of prior to Hogmanay. And, you know, they've just been a shadow of the side. Uh, you know, it must be very, very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, Morelos it's, can't, can't score goals, you know, at all. You know, they're conceding goals. And, you know, and I'm not being funny, but they've spent a lot, a lot of money. And I know they're doing well in Europe, but that's, they're actually very, very lucky that they're doing well in Europe. Yeah. Or Mr. Gerrard might find himself back to Liverpool. Well, no, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, you look at some of the results they had. We'll come on to a little bit of the Scottish Cup review as well, because, you know, to lose to, to Hearts as well, which was realistically Rangers' best chance of stopping Celtic winning another treble. Um, they meekly fell to defeat, I felt, on Saturday night against Hearts. They were they were never really in the game. Hearts were very well deserving of their win. I, I actually, would, yeah, I would nearly go to the point in saying Rangers were actually awful. Mm. They were really, really poor. And Hearts should have won that game 3-0, if you, you know, if you ask me. That, that would have probably been a fairer reflection, yeah. uh, you know, uh, on it. I'm just... You know, I, I, you know, I think that, that you know... Yeah, Naismith missed that big chance, didn't he, at 1-0. But, you know, I think everybody was... I mean, I was listening to a lot of these radio phone shows about, oh, the Hearts player should have been sent off. Well, no, because it should have been a penalty for the handball by Edmondson immediately before that. And um, I, can't, I think it was Stephen McLean who was refereeing the game. Had an absolute nightmare two and a half minutes at the end of the first half. And, you know, what, you know it, was, it, could have, it, it could have so easily turned out so different. You know, because yeah, realistically, Hearts should have had a penalty. Um, whether they would have scored, I don't know. But you know, you know, on another day they could have looked at it, and, and Hearts might have been down to ten men. So it's it's weird how things can can turn around. Yeah, but I mean, that's hard to guess. They obviously made a made a big big thing in song and dance about the guy with that was there with the Hearts fan ball. And she'd have obviously been sent off and out. But the longer short of it is done, if, if the referee had done his job right, it wouldn't have been a corner. Absolutely, it would have been a penalty to Hearts. Definitely. So. They would never have had the argument, you know. They can't. I mean, that, that, that is the biggest, most frustrating thing about Scottish football. 
the, the, the standard of refereeing is so, so poor. It's inconsistent. Yeah, it is. That was something Adam Rooney really used to speak mm-hmm. about a lot and get frustrated about is how bad they were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we touched on Celtic, you know, getting that late point against Livingston. Do you think this side under Neil Lennon is better than the side that he that he took over from Brendan Rodgers? Uh, I think that's a quite a tough one, you know, Grant. I mean, I, I remember being at Pataudry when Celtic came up here under Brendan Rodgers and took 45 minutes, you know, of football on Pataudry where they destroyed us, but the Aberdeen fans actually applauded Celtic off the park at half time. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I mean, what I believe, this this is my views, I mean, I, I feel that Celtic have got a steely determination under Lennon, minus the result under the Copenhagen game. You know, the, the game against St Johnston last Sunday, they weren't great, they snuck a win. Wednesday night, they weren't great, but they got a late point. You just feel that they just have that will to go to the better end. I felt that Rodgers' sides were, were very good, they were very elegant on the ball, but in Europe, they never really made that, that cutting edge, whereas Celtic, you know... They, apart from that Copenhagen result, they, they got the two wins against Lazio. Lennon did it against Barcelona. Under Rodgers, it never really happened in Europe, I felt. No, uh, the thing is, as well, you've got to think with a Celtic team. You, you know, I, I'm, you know I'm not, I'm not, I don't like any of the old firm at all, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not shy to you know, admit that. But I do like Neil Lennon as a manager. So do I. He's the kind of manager I would have liked to have played under because... <laughs> He seems to manage everything on his sleeve. One hundred percent. Definitely. You know, he, he, he uh, you know, he always make a big being it's when when managers speak. I, I, you know, I admire Neil Lennon's honesty. You know, but he played him, and but he played well. He's the first to admit and say they've done well, etc. You mm-hmm. know, I do admire that. You know, that's the the the, the things that come out from from him. You know, and yeah. I think that's it's it's obviously starting to brush off in the players now. Yeah. No. I fully agree. Um, looking at the other scores, we'll touch on Aberdeen in a second. Motherwell won four one against Ross County. Uh, it was a nil nil in the Saints match between St Mirren and St Johnston. Uh, less said about that, the better. Um, Hearts winning three one against Hibs on Tuesday night, though. I mean, what a result for them! And then obviously Hamilton getting the result against Rangers means they're playing bottom again. Yeah, the, the, the bottom of the league is where it's all happening. If I'm being honest, no, I agree. That's going to be a very very interesting. Uh, you know, for them both get results like that was incredible you know my hearts must have thought yeah brilliant here we go we've, we've won a game we've got above Hamilton and then the following night they, they go to Ibrox and be Rangers you yeah. know it's, uh, it's going to become very interesting yeah the team I really I really worry for Ross County I mean I've, I'm speaking to a pal of mine uh, down in Edinburgh who's a big Ross County fan and we've been to a couple of games t- together watching Ross County and they, they, they just could see too many goals and you know they got Rangers coming up at the weekend we're prediction on that in a minute but uh, that's a really tough game for them and they need to start picking up points because you know St Mirren have had a little bit of form you know Hearts and Hamilton have had a couple of big results as well as we've just mentioned so you know it's really really not looking good for Ross County at the moment No I, I would tend to agree with you out of the ones at the bottom you know can any of them can be drawn back in it was a while I thought Hearts were going to end up you know out in their limb, yeah. They're they're, from, they're managing to pick up the points now and stuff like you know. They, I mean, they're, they're the ones you've got to think that they'll get out of this yeah. because of the money they've spent on the team. You know, Liam Liam Boyce, etc. Is you know some signing. Stephen Naismith as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm led to believe he's on a he's on a he's on a lot a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of they need to stay up. And I'll be honest, 
they need to stay up for Scottish football. I agree. You know, if I'm being really honest, uh, no disrespect to Hamilton, but I don't really get what they give to the SPL. They yeah. don't take any away fans to any game. Yeah. You know, I know the players don't like playing on their AstroTurf pitch. So. Yeah, I just think Hamilton show a bit of determination. You know, they've got this this uh, re- resoluteness of just not knowing when they're beaten, and they always, for me, come around right about this stage of the season is where they just pick up just some extraordinary results. And I remember, I remember one season they thrashed Dundee four 0 at home uh, to stay up. And that was quite extraordinary. I think that actually sent Dundee down. I can't remember if that was two or three years ago now, but it was quite extraordinary. But I, I, like I said, I, I mean, you look at a team like Livingston, I felt they were going to be down there at the start of the season. They're in the top six on Mana. And then we'll just talk about the battle for Europe because, you know, you've got Motherwell in third, you've got Aberdeen, Livingston, and then, you, you know, Hibbs and Achille are in there. You know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see who could A, get in that top six, but B, who could really make that push for third spot behind the old firm. Yeah, I, I I think it's 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 probably as open as it's been in a you know a lot of years, and you know for the Aberdeen thing as well is that you know we're actually really really quite lucky I would say Grant the fact that we've been pretty awful all season. I agree. We're still in the mix. Yeah, we're still in the mix. Yeah. Uh, you know if we can hit a bit of form, which Derek McInnes is always usually pretty good. We always go through a spell of about ten games in a season where we we, we don't get beat and stuff. That hasn't really happened this year, no. so, you know, that I think we may kick on yet, I really do. Well, that point on Wednesday was huge, because Killy 2-0 up, you know, never been Aberdeen for quite a while. You know, I just felt that maybe the monkey was going to be finally off their back, but back came Aberdeen, and, and to get the, the draw... Um, that's huge, not only for, for the Battle for Europe, but just basically securing their top six, because at one stage, Livingston were 2-1 up, and, you know, suddenly Aberdeen were going from looking like pushing Motherwell for third to dropping down to fifth um, fifth place, and, you know, starting to maybe feel a little bit of pressure and getting in that top six. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and, and uh, what we've shown a little bit this season that we haven't really seen before is, I never ever thought that Aberdeen could come back, you know, once we used to get, we went from under Derek McInnes we never really ever looked like we're going to come back in games no. but all of a sudden you know the Kilmarnock game in the cup the Kilmarnock game the well, that was an extraordinary game in the cup <coughs> excuse me you know yeah it was all of a sudden we've got that determination in the team now you know of being able to come back from games so yeah. we can only just hope that we you know we do get a chance to, to kick on this season I do think Derek McInnes does get a lot of abuse a lot of it he deserves uh, he brings some of it on himself with his style of play and stuff but what he has shown in the last sort of two to three months is that he is capable of adapting a change situation yeah. etc you know, in the team. So, my f- my friend Gavin, who's obviously been a guest on the show as well, Gavin Craw, him and I had a good discussion about this a couple of weeks back, and he thinks that maybe McInnes is trying to adopt a Chris Wilder style approach. You know, try to make themselves tough to beat and sort of nick games. But I think he's been doing that for quite a while, and you know, I think that can only work to a point. You know, it's it's finding this balance between getting the results but also playing a brand of football that is easy on the eye, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him take it older for quite a number of years, Grant, you know, and, and, and we were masters of winning 1-0. Yeah. Absolutely, you know, he, he had it down to a key, you know, of it. But, you know, I think uh, Tommy Wright summed it up this year when they come up to the Dodgers and beat us, and he's like, oh, we knew how Aberdeen were going to play. <coughs> yeah. the right stop the white men and they don't win games well I like Tommy Wright and I said this on my social media a while back I think he is a manager that for me gets unwarranted flack 
I think he does a good job with a very average St Johnston side. They're always either top of the bottom six or just scraping to that top six. They're usually never in any trouble of going down. I mean, at the bottom, they started, started the season about a dozen games in. I think they were bottom. But, you know, they've, they've, they've been on an upward trajectory and they've been playing a lot better, certainly in the second half of the season. Hey, let, 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 let's be honest, you know, Gary McInnes couldn't get Stevie May to score goals. Exactly. And Tommy Wright's managing. Definitely. In a, in a, in a, in a pooder side. Yeah. So, you know, that's, sometimes I tend to find Derek McInnes, that's what he tends to do is, is, you know, he puts his shackles on flair players. That's what I tend to find yeah. at times. Yeah. No, I, I, can't disagree, I can't disagree with that. Uh, just a quick broad brush. There was the FA Cup, obviously, this midweek. Uh, wins for Leicester, Man City, Norwich in an extraordinary penalty shootout against Tottenham. Chelsea obviously beating Liverpool. Sheffield United winning at Reading. Newcastle winning at West Brom. Arsenal winning at Portsmouth on Monday night. And then last night, Manchester United being Wayne Rooney's Derby 3-0. Um, did you watch any of the FA Cup games? I, I've, I've watched a few of them, yeah. I was a couple of them were on the, you know, on the BBC and stuff. I, I watched uh, Chelsea, who were, you know, played extraordinarily well, uh, especially the sort of young Scottish. Well, that's what I was going to say. A quick, quick word on Billy Gilmore because he's uh, he's been on fantastic form. Should he be in Steve Clark's plans? Uh, I, I think there's nothing wrong with him being in the squad. I'm, I'm thinking it's he's very unfortunate. It's our strongest position yeah. for Scotland. Fully so agree. We need, some, we need some strikers and we need some uh, defenders. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they all seem to be very good, you know, midfielders. But I just thought his performance in midweek was was unbelievable. You yeah. know, uh, you know, an old head on very very young shoulders. Yeah. And the guy looks looks no more than he's just left the school and he was, you know, he was bossing that midfield. Yeah, I thought Chelsea were really good as a team on Tuesday night as well. I mean, I didn't think Liverpool played that great. I thought the goalkeeper had a bit of a disaster, especially for the first goal. But I actually thought Chelsea looked really good. I was very impressed with, uh, with obviously, Gilmore. But, you know, players like Willian played well. Pedro played well. Ross Barkley, I thought, showed a, a really good, clean pair of heels. I thought he played really well. I watched Manchester United's highlights last night. Uh, against Derby and I was very impressed with them Only Gunnar Solskjaer for me is beginning to turn Manchester United's season around a bit yeah he, he totally is I'm a, I'm a Man United fan myself and, and uh, you know there's no there's no doubt that the, uh, you know Bruno has been a huge huge signing massive he's, uh, you know he's he's a Paul Pogba without the ego yeah I don't completely uh, agree you know, he's, he comes in with you know and he's doing that sign and I think he's been phenomenal because I think Man United have always had the forward players. They've got they've got forward players that are every bit as good as Liverpool's forward players, but they've never really had that guy to put them, you know, put them in. Uh, I'm looking really looking forward to seeing Rashford getting back fit again. So do I. Because uh, I think if Rashford's playing and you've got Bruno in the middle of the park picking the passes, I think you know. And I'm glad they've stood by him. I've been quite critical of Ole at times, but. Uh, you know, I think they've got to give up time. I agree. Give a I, think one of, I, think, I think one of the, the interesting moves was getting a Gallo. And I think he's kind of beginning to prove people wrong a wee bit. He scored a couple of goals in the Derby game. Scored in the game against Bruges. Okay, Bruges were down to 10 men, but that, that's beside the point. You know, I think... I think he's done okay. I mean, yeah. I would certainly give him to the end of the season. And if they get in the top four, then he has to continue on, surely. Yeah, I mean... I, I, I think the Agalo Finch signing is, is uh, you know, I think he's shown he's bought a striker who's completely different to what he is. I haven't seen the, game, the, the goals from last night yet, but I'm led to believe that he very much used his muscle for the first goal. Yeah. Which, you know, that was a good finish. Really, 
they don't really have that in Martial and Rashford. No, I agree. You know, but uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, you know, and, and you look at the Fergie side, the Fergie side have done very well, and he always had four strikers. Yeah. And, and I think you need that. We look at Tottenham, the Sky, Tottenham are probably going to miss out in Champions League because of, you know, they have no striker. Yeah. Uh, well, that's. No, I, I think yeah. Well, that just feeds on really nicely about Spurs because you know they lost the penalty shit against Norwich and obviously Eric Dyer uh, at, at the end of the game going into the into the crowd to confront some spectators. Um, what has happened to Tottenham? Jose Mourinho. I'm being really honest. You know, as simple as that. Uh, I just you know we speak about you know times Derek McInnes sucking the life out of attacking players. Mm. I sometimes tend to think that he he does that a little bit. I, I know from being a Man United fan and watching them, I used to hate watching Man United under them because I know teams need to, you know, not get beat and stuff like that, but at times he sets teams out just to not get beat. Definitely. I fully agree. You know, Alex Ferguson, you know, you you listen to a lot of the players and they were always very much being as, as long as you win, you win by one goal, one goal, you still win. Exactly. Uh, You know, and, and... I just think Jose Mourinho is this, you know, he's a very good coach, don't get me wrong, he's won huge things with huge clubs, but he's a very negative coach. No, I agree. I, I, I tend to find he's, he's, he's not gone with the times. No, I agree. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit like Aberdeen fans, I guess, saying, uh, with the, be the whole Derek McInnes and be careful what you wish. Absolutely. As far as got Pochettino, you know, sacked the, the best, that guy was a brilliant coach and I think it's shown now how much he was punching above his weight. I fully agree with that, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I for me, believe that if United were to lose Solskjaer, I mean, don't get me wrong, Pochettino is the outstanding candidate, but... For me, I wouldn't go for him, but you know, I, I think he would do a great job wherever he goes next. I think he's lining up a move back to Spain personally, but you know, we'll wait and see on that one. But I completely agree with you about Mourinho. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, okay, well, let's uh, move on to our predictions for the uh, upcoming games this weekend. Uh, let's start in the Scottish Premiership, because uh, there's five games on Saturday and one on Sunday. So let's start with uh, Aberdeen at home to Hibs. Uh, I've got an Aberdeen fan and I really don't like to bet against them but I've got a funny feeling that Hibs might unfortunately beat us tomorrow Ooh, interesting Scoreline? 2-1 uh, 2-1 Hibs I'm going to go for a score draw I'm going to go for 1-1 I think Hibs will be uh, um, you know flagging a bit after losing the Edinburgh Derby and Aberdeen maybe a little bit positive after getting the point down at Killy but I think a score draw on it so, I, to be honest I think both teams would probably take that uh, to be honest but yeah. we'll, we'll see I, how it goes I hope, I, I hope I'm wrong but uh, you know uh, I hope I'm wrong but yeah well we shall see um, Celtic against St Mirren is next I fancy a really comfortable win for the champions elect again I would say yeah I'm, go- I'm going to go 4-0 I think they'll they tend to do that after they, they drop points they tend to come flying out the traps so I'm going to go 4-0 yeah I'm, I'm going for a bit more concerned I'm going to go 3-0 I think Simon have done okay in recent weeks and have been a little bit more tougher to beat but I just feel that Celtic will have too much in agreement so I'm going to go 3-0 Celtic now next up is Hamilton against Kilmarnock uh, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw 1-1. I'm going to go for a little bit of an upset here. I'm going to go for an Ake's home win. As I said earlier on in the show, this is the sort of the time frame where they start to pick up some um, unbelievable results. And I think they might just win this game tomorrow. I'm going for 2-1 Ake's in this one. 
Next up is Bonneteal Hearts at home to Motherwell. Uh, I think I actually think Hearts are going to continue uh, on their spell, and I think they will. I thought Motherwell had a good win uh, midweek. I actually think Hearts will win this two-one. I've gone exactly the same scoreline, and I, 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 I'm in agreement. I think Hearts have got a little bit of momentum on their side, and if they can pick up another win tomorrow, then my it really starts to get exciting at the bottom. Next up is St Johnston Livingston. Uh, I shouldn't say this, but this is probably the boring, the boring game of the of the group. The least uh, exciting game. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say uh, going to go one 0 Livingston with big Lindman Dykes. One 0 Livingston. I'm going to go score draw. I'm going to go one one. Uh, I think St Johnston have done okay in recent weeks. They've drawn a lot of games, um, and Livingston, you know, are usually quite tough to beat. So I'm going to go one one. The game on the Sunday, Ross County against the Rangers side, who are all over the shop at the moment. Uh, I'm actually going to be really ambitious and put down a draw, score draw here, 1-1, 1-1 for that one I think. I, uh, I think Rangers will get back to winning ways, I think they'll sneak it, I think it'll be a very tight game, uh, but I think Ross County will score, but I think Rangers will nick it 2-1. Uh, let's move into the English Premiership quite quickly. Um, starting with the lunchtime kickoff tomorrow, the champions elect Liverpool, who have been on a bit of a bad run, I hope to Bournemouth. Yeah, I think Liverpool are going to go back. Liverpool win on this one, like so. Yeah, give us a scoreline. 2-0. Uh, 2-0. I'm going to go 3-0. I think the front three are all going to get a goal tomorrow. Salah, Mane and Firmino. So let's see what happens there. Uh, next up is Arsenal against West Ham, who have been... Pick, well, they picked up a good win against Southampton last weekend. Uh, I actually think it, uh, this could help the potential of a 2-2 draw. Ooh, 2-2. I'm going to go for a comfortable win for Arsenal. I, I think they're due to give someone a bit of a pasting, and I think West Ham might be that team. I'm going 3-0 Arsenal in this one, with Nicolas Pepe to score because he's in my fantasy team. Uh, next, up, uh, next, next up is Crystal Palace against Watford, who of course beat Liverpool last weekend. Uh, I reckon I... I think they'll continue on. I think they'll maybe get uh, Watford to win 2-1. 2-1 Watford. I'm going to go score draw. I'm going to go 1-1. Um, obviously, Roy Hodgson has signed a new contract today as well. So I just think that might give them a bit of positivity. Uh, but Watford, I really want them to stay up. I really like Nigel Pearson as a manager. And I'm going for a score draw. Next up is Sheffield United and Norwich, who had success, both had success, I should say, in the FA Cup in midweek. Yeah, and obviously got a couple I can't see them buying the league win, so I'm going to go Sheffield United to win this 2-0. 2-0, I'm going 1-0 Sheffield United. I think extra time and penalties might take a lot out of the Norwich players, and I think Sheffield United will nick a really tight and tactical battle 1-0. Uh, next up is Southampton against Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle are struggling to win games. Southampton aren't doing too great either, so... Uh, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. 1-1. I'm going to go Southampton to Nicholas 2-1. Both teams could do with a win, you're right. But I think Newcastle been playing a bit better lately. I think St Maximum's been particularly good for them. But I just think Southampton are due a win. And Danny Ings is due a goal or two as well. I think they'll win it 2-1. Now, Wolves, who are my outside bet to finish in the top, top uh, four uh, against Brighton? Uh, I'm going to go for a 
Uh, I actually going to go for a big win here. Uh, their team I love watching. Actually, Wolves. I think Wolves are going to win three 0 Three 0 I'm going two 0 I uh, I really like Wolves. I, I think they'll be top six, but I, I have a sneaky bet that they could have a really late charge for the top four. Actually, um, I'm going two 0 I think Jota's been fantastic for them lately, and Jimenez has been one of my players of the season outside of the you know the usual suspects. Uh, I'm going to Brighton are really struggling for me. I think could be in real danger of dropping into that bottom three very soon. Uh, the late game is Burnley against Mourinho Spurs. It's probably the worst game that Mourinho would have wanted, uh, you know, to go to Burnley. And I'm actually going to Burnley to win 1-0. 1-0, I was actually knowing that down, but I'm going to go for a score draw, I've changed my mind, I'm going to go 1-1, um, I think Lucas Moura might save Mourinho's blushes with a goal, uh, I'm thinking big Chris Wood to score for Burnley. Um, two games on Sunday, Chelsea against Everton is first. I reckon that could have a potential being a good game. Uh, you know, maybe a probably 1-1 one, one draw. 1-1 one, one draw? Ah, well, of course, Ancelotti won't be in the dugout after being sent off against United last weekend. I think Chelsea will win. I think they'll win it 2-0. I think they've got a little bit of the momentum again. Um, you know, a couple of decent results at home and recently beat Spurs. Um, obviously beat Liverpool as well. And uh, I think Big Giroud might get a goal for Chelsea. He seems to be in favour at the moment with Big Frank Lampard, so I'm going for 2-0. Now I'm down in Edinburgh this weekend, so I'll probably try and find what place to watch the Manchester Derby next. Yep. Uh, I actually think Man United are going to pick this one, you Ooh. know. I really do. Scoreline? Uh, I reckon maybe Paul just go for 1-0. I think it, a lot of maybe depends if Maguire's fit to play or not. But I'm I'm going, to, I'm going to go 1-0 Man United. I'm going to go 2-2. I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, but I think a lot of it will centre on whether A, Kevin De Bruyne plays for Man City because he's 50-50 uh, at the moment. But B, whether United show up because if United show up, um, they will be very competitive. If they don't, it could be like the Carabao Cup semi-final in the first leg where they were completely obliterated. Um, but I, I'm going to go 2-2 because I think they may turn up but I don't think they're going to get the win United. Um, and the game on Monday night, Leicester against Villa. Uh, Leicester are struggling a little bit. We bet. Just Carlin's bio win and Villa obviously fighting for their lives. So I'm actually going to pick uh, Villa to win this one 2-1 actually. Oh yeah, well Leicester are kind of blowing my early Campbell's football's prediction for being in the top four at the, since I made my predictions at the start of the season. So please don't blow it Leicester. Uh, I'm going to have a bit of confidence in them because I think Vardy will be back. I think Ndidi will be back as well. So I'm also going 2-1, but the other way. So I'm going to go Leicester to win. Um, we'll just wrap things up, because um, we're coming to the end of the show. A um, couple of interesting ties this midweek. Spurs in the Champions League. Liverpool, obviously, in the Champions League. Um, do you see both of them getting through? Uh, no. I, don't, I, I, I really don't see Tottenham going. I really don't see so Spurs. Liverpool, yes. I actually think Liverpool might... You know, the, the league's pretty much wrapped up and I, I honestly can see Liverpool like, getting to the final yet right. again uh, but I can see this could be the end of the road for uh, for Mourinho's Mourinho's team yeah okay and then obviously Man City play Arsenal on Wednesday night in the Premier League um, do you think City will rack up a win there? yeah I do I do yeah yeah uh, don't need to give me a score. Don't need to give me a scoreline, but I think City will win yeah. this game as well. Um, now, a few, and, and of course, a huge game on in, in a Scottish Premiership on Wednesday. St. Mirren Hearts, of course, postponed after the the storm had the it came into effect. Of course, yeah, I think I think Mirren Hearts will 
It's going to be, I, I actually think it may end up as a draw because purely because I just think it'll be a huge pressure game. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it'll be more of a pressure game than Hearts playing, you know, Motherwell at the weekend because I just think it's, it's you know, because it's the teams in and around them. Yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement. I, I, I think that could be a score draw. I think it'll be a very interesting game. And then on Thursday night, we have the Europa League, uh, United away to Lask of Austria. Uh, and Wolves away to Olympiacos of Greece and then Rangers at home to Bayer Leverkusen. Three really intriguing matches there. Um, how many of the British sides do you see winning? I, both, both the English sides will win their games, but I'm afraid it's the end of the road for Rangers. Mm. Uh, I really don't see them having the quality to beat Leverkusen. No, not over two legs. No, I'm, in a, I, I, I'm actually in agreement. I think United will, will get the draw in Lask um, in the first leg, but with the second leg. I think Wolves will get a result in Olympiacos as well. I think they may also get a score draw. I think Rangers will will get something against Leverkusen in the home leg, but I just think they need to win and at home. And I just don't think they can get away with that that hour they had against Braga in the first half in the first leg uh, the first hour, sorry, in the first leg. They can't afford that against the Leverkusen side who are really, really strong. I think Rangers will will Keep themselves in the tie, but I think overall they will lose. So, but I just think the British, the English sides, United and Wolves, I think in the second legs they'll have too much for their opponents. Well, that just about brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs, um, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack. I hope the show is just what the doctor ordered. Neil, I've really enjoyed our conversation. We've we've rambled on for a good bit, but I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank, thank you very much. No, I appreciate that. No, no worries, and and I'll see you for a pint soon, mate. I I definitely uh, owe you one, that's for sure. <laughs> so so thanks very much for that. Um, well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs, search for me, StatoG91 on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs. What a dangerous night.